thing, you know, we're in the business of going fast and so are the teams and, um, you know, they, they push it to the absolute limits and sometimes over it and that, that's what happens. And the full credit to Shane, you know, he just, just merged into the, into the family as if he'd been there all along. I was embarrassed for that race to restart in Tasmania. Dumb shit like that, that just isn't acceptable. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel and getting ready for a big weekend at Sandown. Thanks Tony, yes it should be interesting. The next three races can really turn around a season for someone who's been in the doldrums. Indeed it will and of course there'll be a couple of teams such as both uh, DJR Team Penske and of course Tickford Racing who will both be looking to resurrect their seasons which have been in a decline for the last few rounds while Triple Eight and uh, Walkinshaw uh, and Ready United have both been climbing and doing extremely well. Yeah, interesting to see how those ZBs will go on the next two circuits in particular because the next two circuits are going to suit powerful, sleek cars. And uh, as we've seen, the Walkinshaw engines over the years have always been good. The Triple uh, Eight engines coming out of uh, KRE have always been very powerful and generally reliable. And, of course, on the other side of the fence, Dick's Falcon engines, or Dick's Ford's engines, I should say, have always been the class of that field. So a lot of power, and uh, we'll see if there's any aero advantage, which is something that uh, might brew uh, up to boiling point across this weekend, particularly heading into Bathurst. Indeed, and it was interesting that uh, in uh, interviewing earlier Cam Waters, he brought up the subject of the Volvos, and of course that's the one thing that many people have uh, raised the issue of, that the ZB has reminiscence of the uh, Volvo package that was a a truncated body, um, all all, while they're on the same wheelbase and track and everything else, of course, is the same. They do have a shorter body with a rear wing that's overhanging. So it will be interesting to see the speed uh, differences between the ZB and an FGX um, and even against the Altimas, which also have a smaller body and have shown considerable speed, particularly at the uh, recent couple of uh, meetings we've had, which have had you know long straights and uh, that opportunity. But uh, on the news this week, um, the only thing that uh, is really worthwhile was a, a bit sad for Aaron Russell, a terrific young racer who was in the series full-time shortly with Lucas Dumbrell, did get a start last year at Newcastle with them. But it appears that they won't be able to put in an additional car on the grid because of uh, the garage uh, system that they have in place at Newcastle. But maybe that'll change. We'll wait and see on that one. But it certainly uh, bodes well for a very big sand down this weekend. So we'll be coming back after the break with Cam Waters, the defending champion, one half of, of course, Richie Stanaway now being in his own car. Do you remember, Craig, who Richie is sharing with this weekend? In fact, Tony, it's uh, Steve Owen who's uh, running with him. Oh, right. Well, that's a great experience, man, for Richie Stanaway to be sharing with. So coming up after the break, we'll be with Cam Waters. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Wonderful. And welcome to Inside Supercars. We're joined by the 2017 Sandown 500, one half of the 2017 winner, Cam Waters. Welcome on board to Inside Supercars, Cam. G'day. Thanks for having me, mate. Absolutely wonderful to have you back again. And uh, look, it's uh, been an amazing year um, for a whole bunch of different reasons, but uh, one of the things is, of course, you've been recollected over the last weeks 
of the fact you are the 2017 uh, Sandown 500 with it was Richie Stanaway. Yeah, it's um, obviously great to be going back to a track that um, I had pretty good success there last year. So um, it hasn't been the best year for for Tick for this year and, and uh, my car, but um, yeah, really pumped to get back to Sandown. And I think it's a track that should suit our package. And um, obviously we know how to win it as we did it last year. Absolutely. Yeah, now you've got a new partner in Dave Russell. Yeah, got um, D. Russ in the in the car with me, so I'm um, yeah pretty pumped to be working with him. Um, got a bit of history with him, obviously, with um, the Dunlop series when I first stepped up in 2012. He was my my teammate, Absolutely. so um, yep. Yep. you know Dave quite well, and um, yeah, so far he's fitted into the car quite well and been fast. So um, yeah, that's really been really really good. Uh, and of course, yes, you you are also uh, run at times in GT, and he's been running in there as well, and. So he's got lots of practice at Bathurst. Yeah, he's um, yeah really good at the endurance races, obviously, because he does a lot of it with um, his GT racing, and he's been a co-driver for a long time. So that's nothing that he um, he hasn't done before. So yeah, lots of experience, which is um, yeah, really important for our campaign. Now, one of the things, of course, is it's, you know there are four cars from your garage in Pickford Racing, um, and. No one has been having great success, unfortunately. Um, it, you know, the, the key has not been found yet to unlock it totally. You've had a few weekends where you've shown a little bit, though. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a tough year for us, obviously. So coming off 2017, where we had obviously some podiums and poles and being competitive, and then this year just um, hasn't really clicked for us and haven't found the sweet spot probably often enough because there has been times where we have been really fast, so... Um, yeah, there's kind of a few question marks on why that's happened this year, but I think um, the next few events, obviously with the endurance season and, and stuff where there's a few more variables will be quite good. And um, the last few events, I feel like we've got a little bit more consistency in our package. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can build on that consistency and, um, yeah, obviously the, the experience we've got in uh, at Tickford and, and everything should help us in the endurance events as well. Now, your engineer is, is Brad Wachowski still? Yep, yeah, still so got B-Rad, so, um, yeah, it's right, been okay. with him. And... Yep, so, you know, I mean, obviously he's a highly experienced engineer. Um, Dave brings his own uh, things, Dave Russell brings his own things to uh, the table as well. Um, you had a good test day recently? Yeah, so, um, obviously, on my car, we got lots of experience with um, Brad and, and D-Russ and... The mechanics and everything, I'm probably the, the least experienced one. So, um, uh, yeah, had a really good test day and um, yeah, tried a few things and Dave got lots of laps in the car. So he was yeah, right on the money with um, how quick he was and, um, yeah, he's, he's comfortable going into the Enduros, which is which is probably key to have your co-driver comfortable and stuff. So they're like that and usually they don't make mistakes. Now, the one variable that's different this year from last is, of course, there's this thing called ZB Commodores. Now, um, I'm sure there are quite a few times where you've actually seen the tail end of one of those things. Did you happen to notice more, particularly at Tail and Bend, whether they were able to pull away from you on the uh, the straight there? Um, yeah, the ZB was um, obviously been a pretty good thing this year, so um, obviously better than the, the previous car, I believe. And, um, yeah, they I expect them to be fast this weekend again. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. You can't do yeah, much yeah. You just maximise the package you got and um, hopefully we're in front of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's, there's not much has changed this year um, to last year other than the fact that uh, uh, Richie, we've got a full-time gig in the series and, unfortunately, he's had a, a very tough learning year. I mean, almost tougher than yours. This year, yeah, it's been a um, yeah hard year for for Richie, and um, yeah, I feel for him because I I've obviously been there and done it and, and been in his position. So um, yeah, he's definitely capable and and good enough and and everything. He just needs to, I guess, put his head down and, and keep working away at it. And yeah, I think he's, he's good enough to make it. He just needs to kind of get through this this um, yeah. first year, which is always tough. Yes. Okay. And uh, tell me, I mean, uh, have you done a deal for next year? Are you signed up with the Tickford uh, clan still? Or? 
Yeah, yeah, no, I'm still under contract with um, with Pickford, so um, yeah, right. I'm all sorted for uh, next year. And and you'll be getting a a matching uh, to your road car, which I understand is a Mustang, is it? Yes, um, it'll be cool to be racing the Mustang next year. So um, yeah, I've got a Mustang as a, as a road car, so it'll be cool to be racing one also. And um, yeah, hopefully it's a a little bit better and a little bit faster. So, um, yeah, pumped to it. And it's obviously such an iconic um, model and stuff. So hopefully that'll be um, yeah, good for next year. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that where, you know, the ZB, of course, has got that, you know, very short, uh, and in US parlance, trunk. Um, you know, the boot ends sort of bang before the wing ends. Um, the Mustang, on the other hand, has got extra bonnet length. You know, compared to the Commodore, yeah, it's this bizarre thing where these two cars will be competing under the same chassis, but with totally different body shapes. Yeah, I guess um, yeah, be will be pretty interesting. I guess the ZB looks or reminds me a little bit of the Volvo, to be honest. So yes, um, yes. obviously the the Mustang will be a new thing, and um, it'll look like the road car, but I guess there'll be a bit of massaging, I guess to fit it over the roll cage. So, um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a fast car next year. Yeah, right. Now, you've um, been doing lots of uh, uh, monster energy sort of things with uh, driving cross-country things and ice racing and various other things. These are all part of what being a monster energy driver is involved, is it? Yeah, I've, um, I've had a pretty cool year away from the track, so um, monster energy have been fantastic and they took me to um, Las Vegas after um, Adelaide 500, and I did a off-road race called the Min 400. So um, that was my first off-road race, and um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And then after Townsville, they flew me to Queenstown to do some um, snow driving. So yeah, they've, they've taken me to um, all different places across the world, and, and maybe do different things. So um, yeah, absolutely awesome to be able to do those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Have you got any other drives lined up? Have you got any GT things on the horizon, or would you like to be doing that? Um, well, I did the 12-hour at the start of the year with yes. track racing, and, um, yeah, really loved that. I think we were third or something in Pro-Am, so that was cool, and something that I would like to do more of, um, just to race kind of a different car and, and stuff was quite fun, and um, yeah, I've been sick them a little bit, but nothing's on the horizon as of yet. But yeah, worst case, try and do the um, the twelve hour again next year. Okay, and your management, uh, you still got the same manager involved in your career? Yeah, so I'm um, yeah, Chris Jewell still looks after all my stuff. So right, um, yeah, got with him in 2013. So um, yep. yeah, it's been a really cool journey. Obviously, went through Dunlop series and stuff together, and you now in the main series. So um. Yeah, it's kind of changed, I guess, a little bit from a management role to more of a probably a friendship. So, um, yep. so yeah, good. really awesome to be working with um, with Chris still. And of course, you came through the usual uh, source of uh, uh, the driver um, life uh, span in, in terms of coming through with Mick and Maria Ritter through Sonic, winning the Formula Four Championship, then getting in the development series and winning that with. Uh, in fact, with Secret Racing, or in fact, it wasn't Tickford, it was called then um, SPR. Was it for performance racing then? Uh, I think I won under uh, ProDrive. <laughs> ProDrive, but yet another yeah, name. Other um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you might actually be almost one of the last drivers to come through that traditional Formula Ford uh, development series um, ladder, um, you know, because that doesn't seem to be the way that it's happening now. Yeah, I guess um, when I was coming through, that was really the only way to um, step through the ranks and, and everything. And um, I guess now there's a few different ways you can do it with um, 86s and Kumo series and all that stuff. But saying that, Formula Ford has actually kind of taken off a little bit um, since they split. So, yeah, I think on the tail and bend they had like 25 cars, which is really yeah, yeah. And So um, I don't think that route has, has died off. I think it's still there no. and... A lot of people still believe in that way to do it. Yeah. Well, in fact, you know, probably the, the next style in which it's coming through is Thomas Randall, who's almost a teammate of yours. Yeah, exactly. And I think Thomas is probably a little bit different because he, or well, he did Formula Four, but he went overseas and chased that dream. So he's got a bit of 
open wheeler and um, overseas experience, but yeah, in many ways the same route through Formula Ford. Um, did I think he did one Kumo round, and he's obviously in the Dunlop series with us now. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, and so you had lots of demand from in the last few weeks getting ready for Sandown. Um, you've had some testing. Um, have you had much uh, workshop testing, so to speak, practicing driver changes, things like that? Um, we haven't done a lot of driver change stuff, but we did a lot of it at the test day. So um, right. doing hot hot pit stops and everything, and yeah, they were all fine. So um, yeah, I guess Dave has done a lot of it, and I've done a fair few of them now also. So um, yeah, it was all pretty easy and straightforward, and um, yeah, we're we're ready. Have you been doing much work with the brakes, Cam? Because uh, obviously that mandatory change that's going to come in at Bathurst is is something that is a uh, a real risk for all the teams to uh, have an extra thing go wrong. Yeah, they've um, yeah the engineers and and the boys have been working pretty hard on on getting the the brake change stuff sorted for us. And um, yeah, I haven't really had much to do with it to be honest. But everything. All our testing at the test day, and they all looked perfect. So, um, yeah, I don't expect there to be any issues with them, to be honest. And what about Speedway in the off-season? You're going to uh, defend your crown? <laughs> yeah, so um, I'll be doing the Speedway stuff again in the, in the modified production. So, um, yeah, the guy I drive for is actually uh, building a new car for me. So, um, yeah, build me an FGX. So that'll be pretty cool to race that with the, um, the number one on, on the door. It uh, certainly takes your mind away from what has been a tough year in the supercars. Yeah, 100%. And it's obviously a lot different style of racing and just very laid back. And, and that's why I do it. I go there, have fun. Um, the racing is always really good and there's no data or, or anything to look at. You just go there, have fun, drive. and um, Yeah, I, I just really enjoy it. That's why I do it. And what about uh, have you looked at trying to put in any uh, overseas speedway races in between uh, opportunities? Because uh, certainly Monster has got interests right around the world in various forms of speedway. Yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't really thought about it. I would, I would love to do some maybe late model stuff over in America or something like that, but um, it's pretty hard as it is to try and fit stuff into the calendar through the year. So, um yeah, maybe one day, but um, you haven't really thought about it, to be honest. <laughs> Perhaps an off-season conversation is uh, all that needs to happen. Yeah, so um, yeah, maybe you spark something. Maybe I'll go go to Monster and see what they if they can do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there was one element that was different uh, this year for you. For a vast amount of this year, you were missing a, a, a vital ingredient of Pickford SPR and all the other things. And Chris O'Toole, man, he's back to speed and back up there. Yeah, O'Toole's been back for um, a little while now, so I can't remember exactly what round he come back, maybe Darwin. So um, yeah. he's been back on board for a while, and he's all good. He's not hobbling around or anything, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been funny because um, Tim got a, a hip replacement and he was hobbling around for a little while. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I'm waiting for the next person. <laughs> Oh, well, well, we hope that you have a, a great weekend at Sandown. Um, it certainly looks like uh, everybody's dragging out their uh, memorable uh, retro liveries and clothing. Um, do you have something planned? Monster does, of course, have a long history in the sport. Yeah, no, we, we aren't doing any retro, but, um, yeah, our other, other cars are doing stuff. Uh, as is, and uh, I'm not sure about the others, to be honest. So, yeah, we'll just stick to the, the normal... <laughs> Yes, well, I suppose, you know, there's almost that element of you can sit back and watch Gary Rogers' boys and all their dress-ups and, and even Triple Eight, I suppose, will have some dress-ups of their own. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Gary Rogers obviously always takes the cake with the retro <laughs> round is, um, yeah, they always nail it. Yeah, right. Well, we look forward to catching up on in person on Friday, Cam, and it's terrific to talk to you and... And we hope that you get the same opportunity to climb those steps on the podium at the end of a weekend and uh, have a great uh, weekend. I, I've got a, a long history with Dave Russell, of course. Dave, actually, we were talking before about you know the ladders through the sport. David is, is highly unusual in that he came from... When I first met him, he was racing a Proton in production racing, um, which is not the norm at all for a supercar driver to come through. 
No, it's certainly not a, a former Ford, is it? I didn't even know that. So I might have to ask him about that. Yeah, ask him about his price on time, yes. Well, give him my regards and I'll catch up with you both on Friday. Look forward to it enormously, Cam. Thank you for joining cool. us on Inside Supercars. Cool, thanks for having me, mate. After the break, we'll be back with Nick Ryan taking us through all the adventures he's got planned ahead for both Nissan Motorsport and the transitioning back to become Kelly Racing. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and we don't like it the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Well, Nick Ryan, it's an interesting time for Nissan Motorsport as you actually transition away at the end of the year from Nissan Motorsport. What is that transition process been like and what will the next phase of this team become? Yeah, really, our, look, our identity is pretty strong. You know, we, we have that base of Kelly Racing when we established this team back in 2000, ahead of the 2009 season. And, um, you know, we, our, our origins remain and, and the title will, uh, will return, so to speak. There will be, a, I think, a bit of a rebrand process around it to, to be um, uh, more relevant, I guess, to, to what the future holds. So, look, we, we still have a strong relationship with Nissan. Um, they're certainly main, we maintain their manufacturer status through the, the rest of this year. But, you know, we still proudly represent them next year, regardless of the um, withdrawal of support. Um, we, we still will race these cars in, uh, in the 2019 season as a minimum. Um, and then, you know, we'll be making decisions about which direction we go beyond that. Now, um, right now, there's, there's not too much um, focus around what that is. It's more or less just making sure we've got uh, good progression through these cars. We continue to develop these cars. We own all the IP in, in everything that we have here. So regardless of the change, there's, there's no um, technical um, uh, difference that we'll see in, in the program. So we're, we're pretty solid for where we stand at the moment. And as I said, we'll keep developing these cars through this year. We'll keep developing the cars through next year. We won't stop. Um, and then uh, at, at a point in time, for sure, a, a, a change is, is imminent at, at some point, but um, we're not rushing to, to make that decision. We're, because we've got such a solid base and because there's a number of teams changing around us, for the first time we're really one of the secure ones where we've got that platform that sets and, and, and we can continue being highly competitive as we've shown this year. And I think that gives us further scope to be more competitive next year. So for, for ourselves, for our business partners, for our fans, we won't slow that, uh, slow that program in any way, shape or form um, because we know what happens if, if you do, stating the obvious and, and then uh, at the right time we'll prepare for, for what the future is. I can imagine it's actually going to be quite an expensive job to rebrand because with Nissan, although you had a lot of proprietary stuff, there was a lot of corporate wear, corporate... Uh, um, clothing, branding and all those types of things that actually is quite easy to roll into your program but now you're going to have to go and get all team shirts and all these things that aren't an off the rack item if you like Yeah look, it's, there is certainly a, a wealth of those items and when you actually detail a list of them you sit there with your head in your hand a little bit and, and, and you just don't you don't think of it in a holistic picture too often like that but look that, that, that is what it is and um, you know we would love to have continued that program well into the future and and look, for Nissan, there's a good chance that one day they'll be back and, and hopefully it's uh, we're ripe for the picking at that point in time and we can resurrect this program. But look, it's, a, it's an unfortunate um, side effect of, of the challenge that we're going through at the moment and the rebrand will take place. There's nothing we can do about that. So um, we just have to undertake that and, and head forth and, you know, just to make sure we launch the brand again in the right way. Um, we have that identity for the team that's thankfully with the Cali brand it's extremely well recognised so it makes absolute sense for us to revert to, to that brand and, and race under that in the future and um, you know that brand will be relevant well into the future as well. You obviously have great corporate partners outside of Nissan how does the relationship with those change and how do you move a 
you know, a platform partner to a, a premium partner or a, a naming rights partner? Yeah, first of all, I think it's been very humbling for um, the reaction we got from all our business partners for the situation that it is. Um, it's, you know, there, there was, of, of course, an element of concern because it is a, uh, I guess, a title rights and, and manufacturer relationship that exists, but they certainly understand the fact that we own all that IP and, and that won't affect our racing program. But really the, the general message from our partner network is where, you know, our association exists with the team as opposed to existing with Nissan. So none of that will change and, and it's been resoundingly positive and, and probably... To be fair, it's given the partners probably a greater connection and greater level support, and you know they really want to make sure that we can continue well into the future, and they're behind our program now, and they're certainly going to be behind our program in the future. So that's been um, that's been. Uh I don't know if it's surprising, um, but it's just, as I said, it's been a bit humbling to, to see that level of, of support from the brands out there that are involved. And I don't think you'll see any change to any other brand that's in this team. They're all keen and want to continue. And for a lot of reasons, we've got an extremely robust commercial program. We've got a great on-track program for them. So it makes a lot of sense. And they're getting good return out of what we're doing. So, you know, just to see that in, in, in real, in, in, you know, that it's actually happening is, is good. Now, obviously, there is some, some change in the, um, in the partnership scope for what we have. And you know we're well underway for making sure that there's absolute commercial stability um, around what that is, and you know we're, we're certainly in the market to make sure that that stays the picture. But again, as I say, just about all the partners that you see there, if not every single one of them, will be involved. So it's not like we're um, you know in too lesser position going forward into next year already. If you can remember that far back before the Nissan partnership and how you were doing it at Kelly Racing, what? did you pick up from being involved with Nissan and how seeing how they structure their business are you going to be able to move forward and how much different will it be between that pre-2009 Kelly Racing? Yeah well, look we always had a very robust structure commercially um, you know Nissan really rolled into the partnership that we have there but in saying that Nissan was extremely savvy they are ex- very good and extremely active with the fans and their um, their, their program for embracing fans, engaging with them, and and using them right through to conversion of, of purchase of motor cars is is you know one of is sort of best case scenario in in terms of um, as partnerships. So we've learned a lot of good things, I think, off each other. But you know we're we're not challenged and, and we're not in deficit from from stepping away from that. We've got an incredible team of people that are uh, of sports marketers on on that side of the fence. That are um, you know have built these relationships with our partners, and you know we're not going into next year in any form of lesser position than we were predating Nissan or uh, or where we are now. What's been the hardest thing to think about when you go and you start thinking and planning about 2019, knowing that it is such a, a big change? Yeah, look, there's absolutely financial implications, and it's very challenging going into the market. Uh, it's it, you, you look at it holistically the the sports landscape in Australia is is unbelievable for 24 odd million people. You've got an amazing array of sports uh, in in a very competitive set, and the challenge you sit there for supercars is it's hideously expensive um, as a product to race. Now I'm not saying that commercially. I'm saying it's hideously expensive for us to, to go race. So the money that we need to um, to generate to help support the technical programs is is high as well. So to get getting that level of justification, I think we've got a very sophisticated model that we can do that but it, it just means that we have to generate a significant amount of money in the market now um, with the Nissan situation we have to replace that there's no two ways about it so we've got to be pretty clever and savvy about how we go about that but as I said we're sort of well underway with that um, it's not not like we're going to be getting to Christmas and going what on earth do we do now you know we, we've been working on these programs and as you do from really the start of the year and from certainly from the, the days that the, the Nissan decision was definitive um, we're advanced in our plans in preparation you just have to be and um, you know at, at where we stand right now I think we're, um, we're we're going a long way to to making sure that there's there's no real impact in terms of, in a commercial sense in terms of financials to the team um, which means that we've got a, um, a good platform to, to build on and continue developing these cars because that's really the commercial funds drive the technical development and, and where we are right now is a really solid platform and, and I don't see any change to that to the future. A lot of you uh, competitors have over the years been getting to like November and, and December before they've got liveries, they've got teams uniforms, they've got then the promotional products that they can sell. 
when are you going to be able to go and roll the roll all those things out with being able to set the orders up for next year are you are you that far along that you've got liveries signed off you've got brand partners already approved positions on on uniforms and things like that um look there's there's certainly still work to be done there there would be no difference to any team in in that so um look we're, we're certainly well advanced with that um, you, you tend to be doing those things like you, as such your merchandise program you need to be locking down around October because you want your gear out in market early in the new year um, you don't want to be chucking it on planes to Russia to clip to Adelaide 500 to uh, to make the first event of the year so um, at, at this point for where we stand I don't see any issues with us making the key milestones and you know it's it's it's, it's very easy to work backwards you know the dates when things have to be produced and um, as I said, looking at the partners all involved in the team, most of them, uh, if not every one of them, will be involved next year. So we've got a, a, a good base to make sure that all those aspects of liveries through to merchandise, through to rebranding of the team, to major changes that need to take place, we can all uh, unroll that at the right time and, and hit those marks and, and you know, we'll come out in a very strong position. We won't be chasing our tail going into next season. Nissan has a lot of different arms, uh, probably a wider range of, um, of products that they actually own outside of just automotive. Does this now mean there are some products that might have wanted to be a partner or you've had interactions with before, but because of a relationship between the Nissan Motor Company and, the, and, and that company, uh, you haven't been able to pursue them? Oh, not so much. Not really. Nissan has been outstanding for us. You know, they've been very supportive in helping us with uh, any of their network of partners. But the the good thing is, you know, through through anyone that we may be working with through their network, um, this this change that's come about doesn't bring the end to those relationships. And you know, Nissan is by no means wiping their hands of our team and and walking away. Um, this is a global decision that's taken place, um, you know, with absolute uh, interaction from from Australia. Um, but at the same time, Nissan wants to see longevity out of our race team, whether or not we're, um, uh, you know, racing Nissans well into the future. We'll certainly be representing Nissan on track next year because we'll be racing these cars. And uh, you know, the, the, a, a general level of interaction will certainly continue with Nissan. So um, I, I don't think it's too much of uh, partnerships to your question that we weren't able to exploit. I think they've been tremendously supportive for us to to help explore those avenues and and as I said those relationships will continue in next year and beyond. With the series moving uh, to 15 events next year, six or so events being two days rather than three days, does that make a, a big impact into the bottom line of running a team because the overheads are so large but they're a lot of fixed cost overheads not so much operational. Yeah, look, it, we, we don't have that as confirmation, but if that is the case, for sure, it does. You know, you, your management of costs moving. When we go to a race weekend, we move 45 people at every single event that we go to. So you, you can run the numbers pretty quickly on um, logistics costs and, and, you know, moving 45 people, flying them around the country, accommodation, food, etc., 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 everything that goes on with that high cars, all the simple stuff before you even put a car on track for an extra day and, and then the running costs and all that that relate to those things. So um, y- your costs absolutely will decrease. There is no, no two ways about that should that occur. Um, so that's, you know, I, I, I think um, if, if they do make those changes, I think that's probably a better number. Um, going back with the sport, there's, you, don't, you don't just need to increase your, your footprint. And I think some of the two-day meetings from what we've seen out of Sydney Motorsport Park, um, it's, it's for, for the right rounds, that, that also is, um, is possibly the right, right decision to be making as well. Is there a lot of other areas where significant savings can be made? Oh, look... Yes, across the across the cars as a whole, there's something that sport always needs to, and they do. They do a good job of, of reviewing this, but at the end of the day, it's it's extremely expensive to to go racing in these cars, and um, the financials that sit behind this is you know you, you, you're extracting seventy percent of the budget out of commercial revenue, and it's getting harder and harder and harder. So you've always got to review about different ways that you can make your your racing program. Uh, more cost effective you know that it doesn't work if you've got some extremely wealthy team owners and you've got some other ones at the end of the scale that you know unless there's a level of equalization and better control on those measures um, those those teams will drop out and then we don't have a sport so it's a it's always front of mind for board and commissions and and team owners 
and uh, and supercars themselves. So. You know, we, we've got confidence that, that that's a, that's an ongoing review and always finding those channels to improve our cost base and uh, and management because the last thing we need to do is for the sport to become more expensive, but I'm confident that that certainly won't be the case. And, you know, there's ongoing challenges you see now. There's new models of cars coming in. There's new ways that we can probably embrace new manufacturers to bring them in to help support that to lower direct team costs, you know, in, in, in I guess in initial development. Um, and then if some of the running costs and things can become, uh, you know, to a lower base, we'll, we'll all be better off. We This year, 2018, it's only been the two manufacturers, yourself and Nissan, and of course Holden down there at Red Bull Holden Racing. Next year, it's only going to be one team funded by a manufacturer or getting money directly from a manufacturer. How could a manufacturer come into the sport having seen your experiences and Nissan's experiences, Volvo's experiences and obviously Ford's in and out with motor racing. That's their legacy of motor racing in Australia. I think the I think the best identity of that right now is is what the case is with this Mustang program and it's a it's a real benchmark I think for other manufacturers considering this sport because the gone are the days that a manufacturer will come in with millions and millions of dollars and give you that um, to support your racing program and you know, only because the money's not there in the market. Now, it's not to say the manufacturer won't be giving you any money, but it, essentially the, the blueprint out of what's occurred with the Mustang is, is Ford leverages their um, technical development arm, their racing arm, to help the design um, of the vehicle and help with the development of that. And then they're using their existing engine pools from whether it's Penske or it's Tickford. And really then it's just, um, you know, once you've got all the... Um, the aero completed on that car and, and any change you just it's just your racing program costs that exists there you know now now they may get some um i don't know if penske or tickford uh get any further direct support from there but i think for any other manufacturer that's considering considering it a lot of them have technical racing arms or whatever that may be with incredibly smart people that can uh, that, that can help support because to go and do your whole aero program or anything like that is hideously expensive but if the, if you can leverage them to do it um and there's you know there's got to be some work done on on what how the engine is to work whether you do that from a pool of that manufacturer or whether there's some form of hybrid engine that can be brought into the category to do that it just means that we can embrace new manufacturers without the hideous cost that used to be attached to it and you look around you, look at the benefit that is, is potentially derived by a new brand coming into the sport. You're talking to millions and millions of fans. You know, you're 17 million fans going to races. You've got tens of millions of fans that are watching it on TV. And the reality is, you know, a, a manufacturer can support a ball sport in any regard. But the direct connection that you have out of motorsport and performance and, and highlighting the, the actual car that you're going to race is what I would see and, and you know, what certainly what data would reinforce. It's, a, it's an enormous asset for manufacturers it's you know but if we can bring it back to an equilibrium where you know they're only giving football teams some of these manufacturers a million bucks well if we can find a way that um that program is equalized by coming into supercars to race their program i I think it should be very appealing and um for too long this sport held that identity of the duopoly of ford and holden you know we had nissan of course that came in but you know we've, we've had some challenges getting to where we are and it's still represented by those two brands but i think the the dynamic has changed even by the platform of car the mustang it's it's really a new identity that existing from ford you know we're still racing at the moment who knows what we'll be doing in the next couple of years but as that starts to change i think you'll start to see a greater level of interest from these other manufacturers to come in and who knows you know we we might see four or five of them in the in the next sort of five years and that'll be a, a very healthy position for our sport and you know 10 years ago you go into a car park at a supercar event and it'd be ford and holdens everywhere well we go in there now and there's every manufacturer under the sun so uh, we need to embrace the right platform that we can invite these manufacturers and it's not it's not about deriving huge commercial revenue for teams because that's not the model and remembering where we say we may be in a lesser position next year we're only going back to the base of where everyone else is so um there there needs to and i believe the sport's got a very good view on it and and a great model for for um, starting these conversations with the manufacturers and teams have to trust supercars. They have to trust supercars to deliver this message so teams aren't climbing over themselves going in and, and uh, upsetting the, uh, the Apple cart by saying we need X amount of dollars or so forth. Just trust the process, allow these conversations to happen to embrace these manufacturers and at the right team, time teams get involved. Obviously you mentioned the you mentioned the Mustang program but I guess another example will be the Walkinshaw Camaro program if that was to get up 
um, it would once again reinforce the idea of uh, provide your IP and provide some technical support and you can have a car on the track. Yeah, perfectly. You know, that's that, that, um, look, I... I don't, I don't know. You, you hear rumours about where that's going, and and if that's if that program comes to fruition, that's very exciting for the sport. That's the only way we would look at it. And you know, good luck to them if they can uh, if they can try and get that program up and running. You know, what an asset to have a uh, a car like that on the grid alongside the uh, the Mustang. And you know, from from a fan perspective, you talk to you know the we've really got to get a a good handle on the the next next line of uh of supercar fans you know they we absolutely embrace our current fan and um but typically it's a, it's a bit of an or not typically it is an aging demographic for our core fan at this point in time so we need to look at the fan of tomorrow and make sure that um, the product that we're racing is interesting relevant fun exciting um you know we're we're um this this is you know we're we're in the in the sport of uh, of, of of excitement, performance, fun, all those all those key things. You know, and unless the fans are enjoying it, we don't have a sport. So, um, you know, to to see that a, a potential of a Camaro to come on online, or you know, to to go against the Mustang, you know, that's that's a great great asset for the sport and a great story to tell. And if if they both come off, it's an easier conversation, I guess, for you with Nissan to say let's bring Godzilla back or or even if it's not but that's obviously the first conversation you have because of the was it now five year relationship yeah. of being the factory team yeah well the reality of our conversations and when um, the future took place it was really around uh, Commodore and Falcon as a, as a competitor set and you know for, for looking at opportunities for GTR um, you know it's not, not the right timing it wasn't the right timing so look who knows but Maybe, maybe those conversations do become easier when you've got um, those cars on the grid. I'm not too sure. It's it's too too preemptive to to even consider at this stage in time. But um, we really hope that the sport moves in the direction that does have a lot of appeal to Nissan. Um, and you know we uh, we know them extremely well. We know their business locally extremely well. We have relationships with them globally as well. And um, if if the uh, if the sport moves in a direction that does bring back that appeal for them, uh, we'll be first in line. Mm. But you're not scared away from any other manufacturer either, I guess, because you've got the runs on the board of showing how you can deliver yep. a program or deliver parts or components of a program. I think the reality is that we are the most uh, technically adept and team that is available at this point to, to embrace any new manufacturer. You know, our 19 separate departments, 60 full-time staff, uh, that that have the ability to undertake an entire program. Like remembering, we did everything with the Nissan, absolutely everything in house. Uh, we we weren't able to to leverage global networks through Nissan to support that. And you know, people kick us for uh, the the period of time it took us to to get our platform. Uh, to a level playing field to where we are at this point but um, people don't know the whole story either the challenges that were that we had to overcome uh, as the first new manufacturer to our sport were were we, we raced with both our hands behind our back for it's a number safe of years. to say one of the things that you would have liked to have done straight away you got told no yep. when mercedes came along yep. they got told yes they could do that to their engine yes. which you weren't allowed to do and had to go out and develop the patrol engine as a instead of getting something which would have been far cheaper to import and and run with straight up and that that's at least three years of development yeah that's reality that's absolute fact i mean it's it's it was so challenging for us and we invested millions and millions and millions alone into this engine program and the and the issue is you know whilst others were allowed to do things we had gone down so far down one path to just try and pack all that up and go in the other direction it's not an easy thing to do and you know it's uh, you know we had the we had the guts kicked out of us for so many years but you know thankfully we've been able to overcome but it shouldn't have been that way and it's unfortunate and you know a real credit to Nissan to stand by us because we had two renewals in the period that we have been uh, working with them and you know I take my hat off to them because they really they really stayed in for the journey and um, you know it's great that whilst they're still uh, still partnered with us this year that we we can deliver that journey but you know back to your point before in in, in the extension of what we were saying that you know certainly the the Red Bull guys are, 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 are tied up with their holding relationship and and Penske and Tickford are tied up with 
with theirs. But even against those guys, I think you know we are uh, we are extremely well established to embrace any new direction in the future, and um, that's a positive thing for us because at a point where we want to have those conversations and can have those conversations about new directions for um, a manufacturer base, that that you know we we have the capabilities to support it, but also the interest is is to to talk to our team and with four cars. That's a um, that's a great opportunity. And I've left the last one to last. It is guaranteed four cars for the entity Kelly Racing going forward. Yeah, look, it it, it is with the um, with the enormous structure infrastructure of our business that we have, and as I mentioned before, all those uh, those nineteen separate departments, it, it makes no sense, or or it wouldn't be viable with any less than four cars you know if if anything we would probably look at um how we can increase our footprint um as a business which would be uh, d2 and kumo sure it's it, it could it could mean that it could mean i don't know if there's more in supercars that we could do in, so in you, supporting could, you wouldn't teams. read out a fifth car oh look I, I don't think directly for our team but you know if we supported and supplied you know it may not work under our current model of what we're doing but when you're looking long term into the future you know to to be like roland has the the ability to supply other teams obviously we got the relationship with matt white racing which is fantastic and will continue into the future um or you know maybe there's there's other categories or things or whatever we look at it's it, our, our model is to be here for the long term um supercars absolutely four cars is a priority for us and that will continue into the future but um our model also has the capability to expand to do more things as well and you know we we would have loved to probably in supercars as well to extend our nissan program over more cars but the reality whilst we're going through this development period is one you have to get it competitive enough that it's appealing um two that it's valuable enough that you're doing there and three you need to make sure that you're not affecting your current program by extending your resources over that and we haven't been in that position where we can really go to market with that because we couldn't um tick the box on those three things you know we'll be lucky to tick the box on one of them but we're probably at that point now but unfortunately the nissan program's coming to a conclusion but all in all you know we um it, it would mean a complete diversion from our current team and our makeup that we've had over 10 years we're not willing to do that that. Um, we own all our um, our factories, we own all our equipment and it, it is the right model for us for the future, so we'll be continuing. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you and all the best for the rest of this year with the season of endurance and the way the cars have been showing so much promise. You you must be very, very excited about those three races in particular. Oh, it's hugely exciting. I mean, we've, we've gone the journey on this Nissan program and as I said, you know, everyone that's come along with us from our partners and fans, it is so rewarding to be able to deliver that success. I mean, when we had the win at Winton, there was not a team member without a tear in their eye. Now, you know, you put it in perspective, a lot of people go, you just want to race at Winton, but if people understood what we've gone through to get to this point um it's taken a significant amount of work and you know all our staff that sit in in those doors we've had a lot of them for uh you know a lot going back to when we opened the doors back in in uh, 2009 but you know it's it's heavily rewarding that we've been able to deliver this success but it's sustained success you know we've got rick up to sixth in the championship now which is an enormous step forward for for where he's been in the last couple of years you know caruso's right up there you know we've got some good development this weekend that's with caruso that's you know he's been top five in in both qualifying sessions so we're very confident going into uh into the rest of this year about uh and and we know where we're heading we know where we've got deficiencies we know what we need to improve we're continuing to work on those and what we've been doing has been yielding those results you know we've always been a, a slight step behind as everyone moves forward but we've been able to take some really big jumps this year and thankfully that's put us in a position you look yesterday there was really only two teams it was us and the red bull guys and hopefully today we can get a good start it'll be a similar picture there's no doubt others have moved forward but um it's it's quite amazing to think that we are in this position after you know even this time last year but we've worked bloody hard to get here and geez it you, it's you can't see it right now but i've got a good smile on my face <laughs> a cruel man might even say that you've got more podiums this year than tickford racing yeah a, a cruel man could say that but you know, you know what? This um, they're, they're they're a solid team. They're they're a good team. They will bounce back. Um, they're where they are right now is exactly what was happening to us last year. So, um, you know, all due respect to those guys. They're um, they will get a handle on it and they'll be up again. You can see that they've been moving in the in the last few races. So, um, we wouldn't be silly to uh, <laughs> to do or say anything like that. But you know, this this sport is it's it's that hard. You know, you you. 
it's not about taking your eye off the prize. I'm not suggesting they've taken their eye off the prize in any respect, but if the the level of development year to year is is just incredible you you just think how can we actually go any faster and it it is the case and and you just have to keep driving forward and um you know things like new tires have really implicated their performance this year and thankfully we've been able to get on top of them and as i said uh you know you you never overlook anyone because they will uh they will turn it around on you very quickly so we'll um we'll just keep focusing on exactly what we're doing we're in a good spot as i said we've got more coming this year and you know more trophies and uh more happy faces thanks for your time thanks ray and after the break our final thoughts each week join the inside motorsport team as they look at all the news from across australia and around the world and you know every every year i see jackie's tour grand prix and i just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig, final thoughts for this weekend's Sandown 500. Mine revolves around the look now normally as you probably remember i very rarely go on about such things as liveries but i found it absolutely wonderful to be looking at recent pictures of gary rogers the erebus motorsport the milwaukee all the different liveries that teams have been choosing to run this weekend and my great hope is that the look of these cars will in some way attract motivate somebody to get up off the couch and say, why don't we go out to Sandown and have a look on Saturday or Sunday? Because I think it could be a great weekend's racing, and certainly with the grandstand have there, that you don't have to worry about it if it was raining. You've got somewhere you can sit and watch your race unfold before your eyes. Yeah, it's Craig, Sandown, your thoughts? Sandown's a, a lovely place to watch uh, motor racing at, and uh, it has a, a real feel about it this event now with the retro uh, theme and what is good is that the place has a, a stay of execution because they've started undertaking the safety modifications that are deemed required so uh, an extended runoff at the end of the start finish straight into turn one and then of course the now modified is it Turn 6, Dandenong Road? It's easy to say yeah. Dandenong Road, um, where they've now put in the concrete barricades and then completely new tyre barriers uh, in front of that. So uh, good to see that they've made those, uh, uh, made those moves and that, of course, will then hopefully see this event continue for a few more years, as I said, a, a stay of execution of sorts. Well, when we next join you, we'll be looking back on the Sandown 500 as we prepare for the final week's preparation for Bathurst. It should be a fascinating race to see who's got the form and carrying it in for the Enduro Cup. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to getting out and uh, catching up with people I haven't seen for some time. So from all of us at Inside Supercars, thank you from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.